Today's sermon text is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, from the English Standard Version. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each into his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. And this is God's word. Great to be with you this morning. I just speak peace to this house, Renewal Church, and to your house, especially in this season of the year, that everyone who enters in that door will come in peace And peace will abide with you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. It's a season of peace. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men with whom God is well pleased. Valerie and I are so excited to be back with you today. Uh, We've spent the last three weekends and a couple of weeks over in Thailand. Uh, We were teaching in a Bible school over there. And what Pastor Chris was sharing about this church in Pakistan that was attacked this morning as they were seeking to worship reminds us that in certain parts of the world there is not a freedom of religion. Of course, we know that even here in our own country, congregations have come under attack. People have died for their faith. So this isn't just something peculiar to Southeast Asia. You know, Thailand, uh, this was my first visit in 50 years. Fifty years ago, as a young airman, I spent a year in Thailand. 
And I don't remember much about that year. We worked long, hard hours. The rest of the time, I tried to sleep as much as possible to make it go away. It never did. But I do remember the day that I left as though it were yesterday. I remember getting on that plane, and I'm looking out the window, and as that plane lifted off, I remember saying these words, Goodbye, Thailand. I hope I will never see you again. You know, you really should be careful about making statements like that because they will come back to haunt you at some point in the future. But I am so glad that we went. Uh, we were with, as I said, a Bible college uh, just outside of Bangkok. Some of you are familiar with the sauce sriracha uh, that many of you like with your Asian food. Well, that's where we were. This is where the sauce came from. And uh, a tremendous Bible school, a Canadian ministry, which of course Valerie loves since she's a uh, uh, still a, a part Canadian. And uh, um, we had a great time. There were 25 students, two-thirds of them from Southeast Asia. Two of them were from Pakistan. And I just think about them, two young ladies, love the Lord, passionate for Christ. And uh, here they are in Southeast Asia, where it's tough enough for women, uh, much less Christian women. And so it's a real challenge. But every morning we were so blessed to rise up and for uh, almost an hour we would worship with these young people. And it was a great way to start the day. Then over the next hour, two of them would get up and share the gospel. Now you have to understand that most of them, English is a second language. And several of them could barely speak English at all, much less attempt to preach in it. You'll notice I don't attempt to preach in Thai either. But anyhow, we just so admired them and their passion and what God is doing there. Uh, they have uh, been going out. Apparently, they all play instruments. Tremendous. Every, every morning, it was a different praise team. I was like, how many praise teams can 25 people put on a platform? But uh, it was grand. They were sharing with us about a concert. They had gone to Myanmar. And while they were there, they put on this uh, Christian concert. It was at night. Uh, some of the pastors had said, this is a waste of time. Uh, they're not going to come. They don't want to listen to music in English. And the first night, 3,000 people showed up. By the third night, the crowd had swelled to 5,000 people and revival was on. An amazing thing was taking place. I was also intrigued to discover that in Southeast Asia, they have kind of an alliance of nations and the official language of Southeast Asia is English because that's what they do business in. And so they're learning English. So even this Bible school, with all its teaching about the Word of God, is also teaching English as a second language and just having a tremendous influence. Please keep them in your prayers. They're lovely people. They love God. And we're believing something powerful is going to come out of Southeast Asia that's going to touch the world to the glory of Jesus' name. You know, I had Fred share, again, the uh, Christmas story uh, that we find there in the gospel, a story that's very familiar to us. The kids were sharing parts of it. We've heard it, who knows, a thousand times. Sometimes we forget a few details, but generally speaking, we know about it. One of the things we discovered in Southeast Asia is they also celebrate Christmas, although it's the commercial Christmas. 
it's not the religious Christmas. Uh, They have Christmas trees, they have ornaments, they have lights, they have garlands and all the rest, but there's no mention of Jesus Christ because for the most part, the overwhelming majority of the people have never even heard the Christmas story. So when people tell you, well, surely everyone's heard the gospel by now, that is not true. And we need to recommit ourselves to carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. After all, it is the gospel of peace. And this world desperately needs to hear something about peace, especially the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Now, my text is really not the whole Christmas story, although I love this story and I wanted to give you the context, but really it's just one verse. It's a verse that we often sing. We sang it this morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is well pleased. There are variations of that, but generally speaking, that's it. I believe this is a key to understanding the Christmas story, to understanding the gospel. This short refrain, I mean, any of us could remember it, we could memorize it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is what it was all about. This is the essence of it. This is the story that Southeast Asia and other parts of the world still need to hear. And we need to commit ourselves to it. You know, I was thinking something about the mystery of the birth of Christ. Isn't it interesting? We don't even know what date it was. I mean, I know we celebrate now December 25th, but it was over 300 years before the church started celebrating that date. That had more to do with the Roman emperor than it did actually with the church. So there were, there, there's mystery about it. There's intrigue about it. There's, there's wonder about it. I mean, why didn't God make a bigger show of it? Why weren't more people invited? How come the announcement just went to a little group of shepherds? What's going on here and what is happening? And I believe that this verse will help us come to grips with that. You know, believing the promises of God is the key to receiving the peace of God. We believe we receive God's peace in Jesus' name into our lives. This and glorifying God are the key to the gospel. In John 17... Verse number 14, Jesus prayed this prayer. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of this world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You know that all can sound kind of mysterious to our modern ears. To this generation, 2,000 years later, what's this all about? What is he talking about? Well, for better understanding, I'd like to refer you to this text, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, because we were also singing part of this this morning. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power 
that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Isn't that an interesting start? Notice it says, but to, but our citizenship is in heaven. Did you ever think you were a citizen of heaven? We are. We're citizens of heaven. You may be a citizen of America. Uh, you may be like Valerie. She's got a dual citizenship in Canada and America. But primarily and above all the rest, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And heaven is our home, praise God. That's our home base. That's where we're to have these conversations. That's where we're to celebrate Him and be in His presence. So it's about citizenship. You know, citizenship is a huge issue in our world today. It's one where there seems to be not much peace. It's one that really has people stirred up. Who is a citizen? How do you become a citizen? What are the rights and privileges of a citizen? Are they different from other people and all the rest? And it just goes on and on and on. Who are citizens? We need to remember, dear friends, that no matter where we came from, no matter what country we were born in, no matter where we may have been naturalized as a citizen, I guess you could say we've been supernaturalized in the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are citizens of something higher than the kingdoms of this world. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? We are citizens together. We should never think of ourselves, you know, making distinctions amongst ourselves as to whether we're a citizen of the United States or not. The most important thing for us above everything else is that we are citizens of heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to bring transformation into our lives. We have this higher allegiance. You know, much of this is also linked to a prophecy that we also sing at this time of the year. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Say that with me. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. You know, here in our own city of Memphis, we've got many people who are not citizens of the United States, technically, who uh, have lived here for a long time, but they've never be become or been able to become citizens of the United States. But many of them are believers. So we do share a citizenship. And it's the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. Our city is in heaven. I know we reside in Memphis, but this is not our primary place. Our primary place is the city of God. You know, that word citizenship can also be translated city. And in some versions, that's how this passage of Scripture begins. We have a city in heaven. It's not just a vague citizenship. There is an actual city. 
interesting reading. Read Revelation chapter 21. It talks about the new Jerusalem, this heavenly city. You know, even today, the world is all in turmoil about what's going to happen in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, in Israel, Palestine, the Holy Land, whatever you choose to call that area. What is that earthly Jerusalem to us? Well, certainly it's got a wonderful history as far as the Christian faith is concerned. Certainly we know that there are many wonderful sites. I remember Valerie and I going there and we love touring around and seeing all these places, some traditional, some archaeological, whatever it may be, and, you know, reminding us that, wow, Jesus and the disciples They walked on this earth, on this ground. This is where things happen. I remember one of the highlights of my life in ministry was the privilege of baptizing, water baptizing, two busloads of people in the Jordan River. Now, according to the tour guide, it was where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. I have no clue. All I know is there was a place for convenient bus parking. I suspect that might have had more to do with it. But nevertheless, you know, I'll I'll take their word for it. Still the Jordan River. And, you know, what an awesome thing. But my friends, there's another Jerusalem. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. This is one where our hearts, our minds, our affections, our attention should be focused. Particularly in the conversations that we have. You know, another word for Citizenship, another word for city, is conversations. Conversations. I think about public discourse. Conversations about the issues of the day. What's going on in our nation, what's going on in the world, and so forth. And when I think about our public discourse, really the only word that comes to mind is Wow, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) It's as though all restraints have been removed. (laughs) People just say anything and everything. And it's really quite amazing what's going on. Our public discourse has become practically toxic. I think this is another reminder for us right here at Christmas that what we're going to have a conversation about ought to be where our citizenship really is ought to be with the people that love the Lord Jesus Christ the way we do, but also with those who are in heaven itself. You know, the Christmas story has a lot of conversation in it. An angel of the Lord comes to a group of shepherds out in the fields at night watching their flocks and begins to give them the birth announcement. Unto you, unto you, a child has been born. A son has been given. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Oh, wow, what a powerful thing. They're having a conversation, and it has an impact. Because when these shepherds hear it, they respond to it in faith. They leave the sheep, they go to Bethlehem. And by the way, why Bethlehem? What's up with that? Why not Jerusalem? Because the whole thing was about citizenship. And a census that the Roman emperor had declared, and they had to go to Joseph's family town, 
which was Bethlehem. Interesting, it's also called the city of who? David, another shepherd. It's odd that in, even at this time, shepherds were looked down upon. They, they were the common people, you know, they were rural, they weren't worldly, probably a good thing. That They weren't aware of a lot of things that were going on in the Roman Empire and all the rest of it, the politics of the day. But they had open hearts. And when they heard this word, they went to Bethlehem. We want to see this, what God has said. And they go and they worship. And from there they go and tell other people. God found something he was looking for on the earth. What is God looking for on the earth? Faith. Faith to receive his peace. Not as the world gives peace. But as God gives peace. He is the God of peace. His is an everlasting peace. And this is what we need in our broken world. With all the confusion that's going on in this place. You know, for the Jews, it seems odd. If you look at their history, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even David. The sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's own heart, this great king of, of, of Israel, they all began life as shepherds. The very simple people that the religious establishment were shutting down, thought were unimportant, thought were too common to take into account. So this is all something that I think reminds us that it's not where we came from. It's not even where we physically live now. But we need to remember, we have a city in heaven itself. We have a heavenly citizenship. I tell you what, that passport's better than any other passport you could carry. Because with that passport, you can go to the ends of the earth. You can go to the darkest corners of it, where others would be afraid to go. We have that authority in Jesus' name. And it's so important to us today, especially with the lack of peace that is in our world. You know, whether we're talking about being a citizen of heaven, our city in heaven, the new Jerusalem, or we're talking about our conversation, it should be about the things above and not the things beneath. The things that are really important. I understand that worldly issues are important, but only to a degree. There's something more important than that that we need to take into account. And it's what's going on in the kingdom of God and what the Lord is saying to us in this hour that we need to be focusing on, setting our faith on, understanding what God is saying to us. So we need to think about how this expectancy that Christ was coming transformed the lives of the early church. Their conversation was about it. Here's the first thing. They had a desire to be prepared for his coming as if today could be the day. He could be coming for me individually 
He could be coming for us corporately. But he's coming. It transformed them. It didn't just inform them. It transformed them. It's not just about a a doctrine. It's really about this is a basic tenet of the Christian faith. That we await a savior who said he was coming again. And how that changes the way that we live in the here and now. You begin to think of each day differently. And the second thing is, they knew earthly affairs were important, but they weren't the most important thing. Goodness, most of these things that we're debating in our national discourse today, believe me, this has all been around before. I'm old. I've seen a lot of it. I've heard of it. This is my 70th trip around the sun. I've heard it all before. We've been down this road. What we need more talk about is God's kingdom. His kingdom come on this earth. His will being done. His peace being so established in our hearts that no circumstance, no threat, no life or death issue is going to deter us from waiting for him and looking for him. And number three, it transformed them by causing them to live above the world and desiring the appearing of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Friends, if we lose this expectancy... The Christ, the kingdom of God, the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, you know. If we lose this expectancy, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are above all people most to be pitied. Most to be pitied. So then... How do we pursue the peace of God in Memphis? And again, this is a subject that's been talked up one side and down the other for as long as I've lived. And in many ways, we don't seem any closer to the goal. It seems like peace is this tantalizing thing that at the last moment it's taken from us. Things shift and Back to the arguing and all the rest that goes along. I think that sometimes we become so entranced with big events, doing something really strong, a lot of publicity, that we miss the essence of what it takes to be peacemakers in a community like Memphis. Because even this city is made up of all kinds of different communities. Valerie and I recently moved into this community. I I can walk to the church from my house in three minutes. Can anybody beat that? 
How many people do you know that can walk to church? (laughs) We love that. But it's a very different community from the suburbs that we'd known for most of our lives that we lived here. But that's an exciting thing, to find a new community of people with whom to share the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to minister to them. I had someone call me about participating in a prayer caravan. They were all going to get in cars and drive around the 240 loop seven times praying for, among other things, peace in our city. Now, I get it. I I get the Jericho thing. I I get that. I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm not saying this to ridicule. Not at all. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Not at all. I'm just saying that I'm not sure that this is how we're ever going to make peace in our city. I'm not sure that this is the best way for us to receive the peace of God, which is a free gift. A free gift. That's what he's looking for. People that will praise him and come to him in faith. He's looking for faith on the earth. A free gift of God. But how do we share that gift with other people? You know, I think God was the original re-gifter. <laughs> not, not the gift I didn't want, but the one that I was given intentionally to share with others. And that's peace. Any of you know people that don't have peace? People whose lives are just one drama act after another. They have no peace. We've got the peace of God in our hearts. What's the best way for us to share that peace? You know, in biblical times, when someone walked in a house, they gave it their greeting of peace. And that would tell them if this is going to be a house I need to be in or not. In fact, you read some of this very same scenario When Jesus was sending out the 70, you remember that? He said, I'm going to send you out in pairs. I want you to go into towns and villages. That's mostly what Memphis is, towns and villages amalgamated together. And I want you to go to a house. And I want you to give it your greeting of peace. And you will almost immediately know if this is where you need to be. Because I promise you, friends, if you ring the doorbell and the first thing out of your mouth is a greeting of peace, you're going to find out what kind of house you're about to enter. And that's what Jesus was king his disciples to. If they receive your greeting of peace, this is where you need to be. This is going to become your place of ministry to bring peace to this community because you're going to be ministering to all the sick that are in it you're going to be telling other people that the kingdom of God has come near to them this is peacemaking Jesus way I call it the grassroots way see I think that's why the Lord came to shepherds 
grass, roots, sheep. Okay. He came to shepherds because sometimes it's the simplest things that we neglect. It's the simple things we overlook. We like the big, the big show, the big idea, the attention getter, the thing that might appear on the news. But rarely does any of that bring more peace. Sometimes it brings less. What we need is some grass roots, peacemaking, going on in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, I'm living in a new community just the other side of White Station High School here. By the time we got back from our mission trip, seems like everybody around us knew where we'd been. I thought, well, that's interesting. Apparently, our trip was the subject of conversation. They all want to know where we went. They want us to come over and share about it and all the rest of it. And I thought, brilliant. I'm in a new community. This gives me an opportunity now to go into some of their homes to share what we've seen God doing. The peace. If God's peace can come to Southeast Asia, my goodness, God's peace can rule and reign anywhere, my friends. This is the key. So I'm excited about this Midtown group that we're getting started. How many of you live in the Midtown area? Look at that. If you're not in a group, I hope you'll go to this one. When does this start? January? This would be a great one to go to. But don't just think of it, this is a group I'm going to. So I can have fellowship or good eats or whatever, but that we're going as peacemakers. That's what we're anointed for. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. One of the things we're to do is to, we're to be peacemakers. We're to come into a community. We're to gather together in Jesus' name and we're to minister to the people around us. Jesus said you don't have to go out going everywhere, just find the right place. You know what he said? He said, you'll know you're in the right place because a son of peace will be there. I want to be a son of peace, don't you? I believe that's what all the children of God are. We're the sons and daughters of peace. We're the peacemakers who are called the sons of God. We're the ones that are willing to do the grass roots the nitty-gritty, the not-so-easy, the coming together and believing the Lord that we're going to bring change to a neighborhood. Friends, this is the way transformation works. I know that we can do great expressive things that may be disruptive or whatever, but the question is, is our ministry sustainable? Is it sustainable because then and only then is it going to bear fruit that remains? The greatest gift you and I could give anyone this Christmas would be the gift of peace. The Prince of Peace. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to give somebody? You can't buy that. There's no way you could dream it up. There's nothing you could do. You give the peace of God to someone who didn't know that peace 
who didn't understand the gospel, who didn't know that God loved them, that it was God's desire to bring peace on earth. And it begins with those with whom he is well pleased. This is what we celebrate at this time of the year. The peace of God. That's a gift. Peace with our own soul. Wasn't that a relief? To know God loves me. As messed up as I was, he loves me. He's forgiven me. He's transforming me. And it's a lifelong work. But he's transforming me. But then also, to make peace with other people. Now, this is important. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That annoying neighbor. The one that with the dog that barks. Oh, Thailand. They love their dogs. Dogs were always barking, but that didn't bother me. It was the rooster. <laughs> right next to the Bible school, right next to our window, 3.30 every morning. This was transformational. It changed my prayer life. <laughs> I usually get up pretty early, but I don't get up at 3.30. But this rooster was full-throated at 3.30. And he would crow until 5.30. And then he'd stop. See, about the time I thought he should be starting, he was stopping. Two hours, now I'm fully awake, but wow, I'm praying. <laughs> I'm in the presence of the Lord now because what's my alternative? I could lose my peace over it, or I could use it as an opportunity to live peaceably as much as it depends on me with all. Let's make that our goal. That with the people around us, our neighbors, people we work with, people we go to school with, wherever we are, that in this season right now, we're going to up our game. We're going to remind ourselves the God of peace has given me the Prince of Peace. The God of Peace has called me to be a peacemaker. And as much as it depends on me, I will live peaceably with all people. And by the way, don't lose heart with your family. Christmas expectations can be pretty high sometimes. We keep thinking we're going to have this storybook Christmas with our family and we're all going to sit around the fire and we're all going to sing gospel songs or whatever songs we sing and, and, and all of this and somehow it doesn't work out that way. Don't lose heart. Keep speaking peace. Keep sharing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and let God what did it say? By the power with which Jesus is able to subdue all things unto himself. That, my friends, is the power of peace. You have the peace 
Live the peace. Give the peace that God may be glorified in this season. And whatever door you walk through, a neighbor's house, a family member's house, your kid's school, a business, a workplace, when you walk in the door, what should your greeting be? I bless this house with the peace of God. Bless them. Don't curse them. Bless them and allow that peace to manifest in and through your life. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these precious people of Renewal Church. I thank you for the peace of God that you've given us through faith in Jesus Christ. I thank you that that peace certainly allows us to be at peace with you, but even more with one another. Even our families, Lord God, we do not lose hope. We're going to continue to love them and to share the peace of God with them. May this great gift, oh Lord, may we give glory to you, our God, in the highest and on earth. May we give peace to men, to people who will receive it in faith. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.